Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are at the end of our Advent midweek journey, uh, heading into Christmas here. The last couple weeks have been about the seen Yahweh, the seen Lord, First week was about um, the angel of Yahweh. Last week was about the name of Yahweh. And this week is about the word of Yahweh, the word of, of, the, word of, of the Lord. And I, this has become kind of a trope for me on some level where I say, there's just so much to be said. And it's true, there's a lot to be said here, but I'm not going to say all of it, nor can I say all of it, because theologians have spilt a lot of, uh, spilt a lot of ink on the subject of the word of God, the word of, of the Lord. And I don't, also don't want to ruin what will be my Christmas Day sermon where we read John chapter 1, right? The word was made flesh, right, in Jesus Christ. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word um, was made flesh. So I'll try and refrain as much as I can from going into that too much, but Jeremiah and St. John in Revelation really give us a lot to work with here in looking at the Word of the Lord. We see that... uh, Between these two texts for tonight, we see a picture of this world and the world to come, that the eternal word of God promises certain things. It promises peace, even in this world as full of chaos as it is and as maddening as it is becoming more and more each day, the word promises peace even in this world and especially in the world to come. So with Jeremiah, we see a picture of this world. In some ways, um, more so probably now than in maybe recent history, Although it still applies. Pastors are in the prophetic office in that we stand before God's people and say, repent, right? Repent of your sins. 
Be forgiven. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, except for the fact that you keep on sinning and you just stop, you won't even pay attention to God's grace, right? That prophets were not necessarily the most popular. In fact, a lot of them died horrible deaths because of the people um, that they preached to, right? And, and uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a joke, but it's not really, you know, it's like, um, if you look at it, someone even like St. Stephen, the first martyr of um, the New Testament church, that he preached his best sermon and they stoned him. So I haven't preached my best sermon yet because no one's stoned me yet. So um, it's one of those things, though. It's a hazardous job preaching the word of God because I'm preaching God's law to sinners and I'm preaching God's gospel to sinners as well. And it's a very delicate balance that we must achieve between these two, um, between these two extremes on one hand, but cohesive parts of a whole on the other of God's word. That God sends pastors to preach the word in its fullness. That if you go to a church and all they're preaching is law, you're probably in the wrong place. Likewise, if you go to a church and all they preach is gospel, then you're also probably in the wrong place because it's important to have the balance between the two. We need God's law to tell us that we are, in the most basic sense, sinful and fallen creatures. And then once the Holy Spirit has done the work through the word to convict us of our sin, that we seek God's grace he grants it in the blood of Christ and in the proclamation of Christ's death for all people. So God sends pastors in this world so that the saints would be ready to go out into the world as full of darkness as it is and be the light of God shining in a dark place, reflecting what it is that God is shining. So that all is to say that God gives us what we need to face the hardships of this life. God gives us his word. He gives us the word just like he gave to the prophet um, Jeremiah, where he promises that through his word, he will do great things. That because of his word, the world will hate him. And it's also even worse than that because the people who should receive the word will also hate him. It's not a fun job to be a prophet or a preacher most of the time. Um, he says at the end of our text from Jeremiah, they will fight against you. And thanks be to God, he doesn't stop there, right? They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says, set, says the Lord, to deliver you. That the word of God is sufficient for all that we need. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. That God, God's word is, is eternal and is steadfast 
And as we heard from Isaiah, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, that though the grass, the grass, uh, the grass um, withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That in his word, we have hope, we have comfort, we have consolation, we have peace. Because in this world, though the people of this world and those who follow after the prince of this world, that is Satan, though they may rally and swarm and persecute us and call us all kinds of names, um, keep us from getting a job or holding a job or anything like that just because of what we believe, even so, their victory is not forever. Their, their win is only temporal, but ours is forever in Christ. And that's something to be joyful for. That's something to, to hold on to in the darkness of these days. Because more and more, it's becoming like the days of the prophets, because God speaks his judgments against not only those who don't believe in him, but those who say that they do. And he says, against them concerning all their all, all their, their, their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. There's so much apostasy, there's so much falling away, and there's just flat out unbelief that is rampant in our world today. The church seems like it's not as full as it used to be um, if you compare confirmation pictures from the 40s up until now, things look a little bit dismal. And yet, the word of our Lord stands forever. It endures forever. Because this world will fall away. This world will not last. This world is not the end-all, be-all and what we should set our eyes on. This world is passing, and there is a new world that is to come. And St. John gives us a glimpse of that in, on, on the last day when the Lord, Jesus Christ, will come to judge the living and the dead, excuse me, and he will judge with perfect judgment. And he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we see a distinction here in our text from Revelation that we might want to focus a lot on the last part, but we can't forget about that first part. It does help to look at the last part first, though, to see how terrifying it will be how wonderful, actually, it will be when you see that his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were, 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 were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies... It, and, excuse me, and the armies... In heaven, 
clothed in fine, in fine um, linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. How mighty and terrifying it will be to see the Lord come in judgment, that he should be feared, loved, and trusted in above all things. So therefore, we as Christians look to Christ as he has come and as he will come and say, we would rather fear him who would destroy both body and soul than those who can only hurt the body, right? We trust in him who is to come, him who has already come and who comes even now in his word. Again, there's so, much thing, so many things to say, but we want to maybe focus on all these parts that are mighty and wonderful and just breathtaking to think about when he comes and he rules with a rod of iron and the sword that comes from his mouth being the word of God. And yet, again, we cannot forget that first part, that there's this sound of mighty thundering saying, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God uh, omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be, array, to be arrayed in fine, in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints." And then you see here that those saints join in the feast that we trust on the last day that the judgment that comes is not in the negative sense. The judgment that comes for the saints, for those who trust in Christ as a free gift of God because of what was preached to them, they will be feasting for all time with God in the new heavens and, and, and the new earth. So this is something also to hold on to, that in the end, we will be justified fully and completely without sin, without death, without pain, without suffering. And this is something else to hold on to. And we would not know this unless the word of God came and spoke it to us in his Scripture, that in this we hold on to this hope, this joy that is to be fully granted to us on that last day, so that as dark as this world may come, we still have peace, that as crazy as this world can be and as chaotic as it, as it may seem, or even as crazy as the TV portrays sometimes, we know that there's hope and there's reason to be joyful because we can trust in our God who grants us his word of hope and peace and comfort. 
So trust in that word who secures peace for you now and for, now and for all time. Because Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, is the same yesterday, today, and, and, and forever. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.